Hello, welcome to Wikipedia, where I find an interesting Wikipedia article to read to my friends, Anisha and Ben. Friends is a... <laughs> and they come in blind and provide insightful and sometimes witty commentary. Today's episode is on the Great Molasses Flood, also known as the Boston Molasses Disaster, or my favorite, the, Bolo- the Boston Molassacre. <laughs> Did you make that one up? No, that's actually on the Wikipedia article, (laughs) which is kind of in poor taste. Children died, but (laughs) in poor taste. (laughs) The Great Molasses Flood occurred on January 15, 1919 in the North End neighborhood of Boston, Massachusetts. A large storage tank filled with 2.3 million gallons weighing approximately 13,000 short tons. How many regular tons is that? Uh, less than one regular time. 12,000. You're close. 12,000. 12,000 tons of molasses burst, and the resultant wave of molasses rushed through the streets at an estimated 35 miles an hour, killing 21 and injuring 150. The event entered local folklore, and residents claimed for decades afterward that the area still smelled of molasses on hot summer days. Yeah. That makes... Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I don't know I how you clean that. that. It's a very persistent death. i wonder about the cockroach problem afterwards oh good point um what is it uh, this is how you get ants yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the disaster occurred at the purity distilling company facility molasses which can be fermented to produce ethanol the active ingredient in alcohol beverages and a key component in munitions say explosives oh. yeah and it for where we are. they made gunpowder using the molasses too which i thought was interesting had been stored there by the company, which used the Harborside Commercial Street tank to offload molasses from ships and store it for ladder transfer by pipeline to the Purity Ethanol plant. The molasses tank stood 50 feet tall and 90 feet in diameter and contained as much as 2.3 million gallons. That's a lot of molasses. Yeah. That's a lot of molasses. Um, I guess it's very unsafe. First thought from the beginning, well, until you mentioned that it used to make alcohol and explosives... I never, so I understood it's something to do with cooking, and my grandma always had some. I never understood what molasses was actually for, though. It's like a sweet and yeah, it's kind of like a honey. It's cheaper than kind of. It's yeah. a lot thicker and like yeah. more bitter, not as sweet. Um, it turns out it's super dangerous too. So like, why do we in even large have, quantities? Yeah. I mean, the way that like yeah. the storing, you gotta you'll, you'll we'll get into the okay. the viscosity. Does this does this lead to FDA regulations? This is exciting. More work, uh, like kind of you'll oh, see li- class class action lawsuits and all that good stuff. On January fifteenth, nineteen nineteen, temperatures in Boston had risen above forty degrees Fahrenheit, climbing rapidly from the frigid temperatures of the preceding days. And the previous day, a ship had delivered a fresh load of molasses, which had been warmed to reduce its viscosity for transfer, possibly due to thermal expansion of the older, colder molasses already inside the tank. The tank burst open and collapsed at approximately 1230 p.m. Witnesses reported that they felt the ground shake and heard a roar as it collapsed, a long rumble similar to the passing of an elevated train. Others reported a tremendous crashing, a deep growling, a thundercap-like bang, and a sound like machine gun as the rivets shot out of the tank. And the rivets are like the bolts on the... Yeah, yeah. I had to look that up. I didn't okay. know what rivets were. Yeah. 
<laughs> I work in a I work with 40 mechanics. <laughs> the density of molasses is about 12 pounds per gallon, 40% more dense than water, resulting in the molasses having a great deal of potential energy. The collapse translated this energy into a wave of molasses 25 feet high at its peak, moving at 35 miles an hour. So if you're moving as slow as molasses, it's actually not that slow. <laughs> yeah, it's actually fairly impressive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, like, it's true that like like, like, no human could outrun that. Heavy. Yeah. Yeah. That's this is really is a perfect storm, though. Like, we've got weather inversions. We've got high volumes of molasses. We're Fermentation. Fresh, coming fresh off of women's suffrage, right? Yes. Yeah. And 1919. So really what else happened in 1919? Similar to what's happening right now? Oh, oh flu. Yeah. Spanish. Yes. Yeah, right yeah, yeah. So um, I'm going to have Anisha read this quote from Boston Post. All right. Horses died like so many flies on sticky flypaper. The more they struggled, the deeper in the mess they were ensnared. Human beings, men and women, that's an important distinction, suffered likewise. <laughs> Thank you. That's scary. Yeah. This is wild. It's not in any part of popular culture. Oh, why is there not a Michael Bay movie? Yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll get there. They're, 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 oh. They're, oh. oh, okay, okay. The Boston Globe reported that people were picked up by a rush of air and hurled many feet. A truck was picked up and hurled into the Boston Harbor. After the initial wave, the molasses became vicious. No, viscosis. Viscous. Viscous. <laughs> it was kind of vicious. It killed people. I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay. Exasperated by the cold temperatures, trapping those caught in the wave and making it even more difficult to rescue them. About 150 people were injured and 21 people and several horses were killed. Some were crushed and drowned by the molasses or by the debris that it carried within. The wounded included people, horses, and dogs. Coughing kits beca- fits can- became one of the most common ailments after the initial blast. Edward Park wrote of one of the child survivors' experience in a 1983 article from the Smithsonian. And I'm going to have Ben read this quote. Sorry, okay. I used a really terrible font and color. Um, it's the font for dyslexia. Oh, wait. Who is... What, how's, what's his name? Anthony de Stesio. Uh, Anthony de Stesio was picked up by a wave and carried, tumbling on its crest almost as though he was surfing. Actually sounds kind of cool. His sister died. Okay. (laughs) Then he was grounded, uh, and the molasses rolled him like a pebble as a wave diminished. He heard his mother call uh, his name, and he couldn't answer. His throat was so clogged uh, with smothering goo. He passed out. He opened his eyes to find three three of his four sisters staring at him. Ooh, one of his sisters did not make it. Oh, you're done. Oh, okay. That what part wasn't in the. I just added that because I was reading the list of survive or the people that died, and there was a ten year old on there, and she had the same last name, so I'm assuming that was the fourth sister. Okay. Um, a 1981 interview with the Stoneman Public Library, and I'm gonna have Anisha read this quote. Alrighty. We saw this big cloud of brown dust and dirt and a slight noise, and there was an arm sticking out from underneath the wheel of a truck. So two of us got a hold of his arm and pulled, and unfortunately, we pulled his arm off. Yeah, you thought it was going to be like a happy ending. Like they pulled and pulled and boop. First to the scene were 116 cadets from a training ship of the Massachusetts Maritime Academy that was docked nearby at the playground pier. The cadets ran several blocks toward the accident and entered into the knee-deep flood of molasses to pull out the survivors, while others worked to keep curious onlookers from getting in the way of rescuers. The Boston Police Red Cross Army... And Navy personnel soon arrived. Some nurses from the Red Cross dived into the molasses while others tended to the injured, keeping them warm and feeding the exhausted workers. 
Many of these people worked through the night and the injured were so numerous that doctors and surgeons set up a makeshift hospital in a nearby building. Rescuers found it difficult to make their way through the syrup to help the victims. And four days elapsed before they stopped searching. Many of the dead were so glazed over in molasses that they were hard to recognize. Other victims were swept into the Boston Harbor and found three or four months after the disaster. <laughs> They're both a little stunned right now. Yeah, um, I'm just. I, it just blows my mind the amount of molasses um, that was involved in this. Like... So I actually, I told my dad about this and he's like, oh, I wrote a book on this. And I watched a YouTube video on this a long time ago. That's how I thought to do this article. And the YouTube video I said, said the main reason for this was the munitions, actually, the gunpowder, yeah, which okay. I thought which was crazy. Sense. I mean, okay. yeah, it does yeah. But I don't know that people are, what do you make with, that volume. yeah, what do you I'm make like, with molasses? Yeah, my well, my, so this was so right good. before Prohibition, and my dad said the book he read, it was mostly talking about, they were, the reason there was, like, yeah, such yeah. a big quantity, because the tank had only been filled a few times, like, to its max, the reason they kept trying to get it filled, because they were trying to, like, beat Prohibition and get that stuff out there, because you use it for, like, sweet, sweetened drinks and stuff like that. Okay. You so. also ferment it. Yeah. So, yeah. What, what kind yeah. of alcohol do you make with molasses? I don't know, I'm going to do a quick Google search, though, while you go. Yeah. I'm um, kind of curious on that. Should we... Well, this is a somber event, but this is 100 It's 100 years, years ago, so I think You're that's kind the... You're kind of trying to throw a theme party, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, we're going to get party? there in okay, a sec. Okay. There's a bunch of pop culture <laughs> references. <laughs> in the wake of the accident, 119 residents brought a class action lawsuit against the United States Industrial Alcohol Company, which had bought Purity Distilling in 1917. It was one of the first class action suits in Massachusetts and is considered a milestone in paving the way for modern corporate regulation. The company wow. claimed that the tank had been blown Wait, up. What about the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory? Wasn't that? Oh, that's a big one. one? That's or like similar really time learn, frame. We didn't really learn from that. Oh, the 1890s. Anyway. Oh, was it? So. Yeah, I feel like in the early 20th century, you just had a ton of huge industrial disasters. Right. Oh, I guess the child, that that one was more child labor. Yeah. They were like, once they figured that out. Was that the were, and that's like the, f- yeah. the, the they didn't fire. have any safe way to lay yeah, exit and right, all that. Right. Yeah. Um, the company claimed the tank had been blown up by anarchists because some of the alcohol produced was to be used it's in making munitions. <laughs> but a court-appointed auditor found USIA responsible for three years of hearing. And the company ultimately paid $628,000 in damages. Um, another thing was, it was leaking so bad. I, uh, this video I saw, they were, kids would come up to it with, like, cups and stuff and just, like, hold it to the side of the tank. And it would. And people said the growling, they were, like, so used to hearing the tank, like, growl throughout the day because it was, like, so full and Strained. whatever was going on that they, they would, like, comfort them. They were, like, used to it. It was, like. Wow. So we saw this coming a little bit. Yeah. It wasn't wow. safe. That's crazy to show that if we just collectively continue to be in unsafe conditions and if everybody's used to it, we just let it continue. Nobody's like, do you guys think that's going to explode at one point? Everybody's like, ah. Nah, Have you been to New Orleans? <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cleanup crews use salt water from a fireboat to wash away the molasses and sand to observe it, absorb it. And the harbor was brown with molasses until summer. Do you think it tasted like kind of butterscotch sweet and salty? Did it still have a tint of flavoring left over from the Boston Tea Party? Ah, <laughs> all excellent questions here. I thought that was part of that. The cleanup in the immediate area also, took definitely weeks. definitely not. That was 150 <laughs> years earlier. Maybe just it's also nice to see that how much, uh, you know, time and effort the Department of Defense has put into heavy decontamination and terrain decontamination. Probably the only time that this is ever used. <laughs> <laughs> 
The cleanup in the immediate area took weeks, several, with several hundred people contributing to the effort, and it took longer to clean the rest of the greater Boston and its suburbs. Rescue workers, cleanup crews, and sightseers had tracked molasses through the streets and spread it to subway platforms, to the seats inside trains and streetcars, and to pay telephone handsets into homes and to countless other places. It was reported that everything the Bostonian touched was sticky. God, that would be so annoying. <laughs> yeah. I would literally move. And the cockroaches. Yeah. I can't stop thinking about the roaches. Yeah. Can't they smell Everywhere. like a gram of sugar from a mile away? It's probably a myth. That but. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. So I, I did find it. out this week that cockroaches, they breathe out of their stomach, so you can't, like, drown them. Oh. But they can, like, live in water for, like, 25 minutes. Of course they can. Yeah, they're, like, indestructible. Several factors might have contributed to the disaster. The first factor is the belief that the tank may have leaked from the very first day that it was filled in the year 1915. The tank was also constructed poorly and tested insufficiently, and carbon dioxide production might have raised the internal pressure due to fermentation in the tank. You guys called that. Warmer weather the previous day would have assisted in building this pressure as the air temperature rose from 2 to 41 degrees Fahrenheit over that period. The failure occurred from a manhole cover near the base of the tank and a fatigue crack that there possibly grew to the point of criticality. Criticality. I think that's the word. Yeah, and this looks right. The tank had been filled to capacity only eight times since it was built a few years previously. Several authors say the Purity Distilling Company was trying to outrace prohibition as the 18th Amendment was ratified the next day, January 16th, 1919. Use that in trivia, maybe. And took effort one year later took effect one year later. An inquiry after the disaster revealed that Arthur Gell, USIA's treasurer, neglected basic safety tests while overseeing construction of the tank, such as filling it with water, insufficient to check for leaks, and ignored warning signs such as gro- groaning noises each time the tank was filled. He had no architectural or engineering experience. You don't put do the it. finance guy on something like this. Know, when filled with molasses, the tank leaked so badly it was painted brown to hide the leakage. <laughs> <laughs> now we're getting into like <laughs> that's also probably not. Yeah, yeah, I could see some like criminal negligence. There <laughs> yeah, 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 we're yeah. we're touching on it at yeah. least. Local residents collected leaked molasses from their homes uh, for their homes. A 2014 investigation applied modern engineering analysis and found that the steel was half as thick as it should have been for a tank its size, even with the lax standards of the day, and it also lacked manganese and was made more brittle as a result the tank's rivets were also apparently flawed and cracks first formed at the rivet holes two days before the disaster warmer molasses had been added to the tank tank reducing the viscosity of the fluid when the tank collapsed the fluid cooled as quickly as it spread until it reached boston's winter evening temperatures and the viscosity increased dramatically a 2016 harvard study concluded that the molasses cooled and thickened quickly as it rushed through the streets hampering efforts to free victims before they suffocated i feel like you don't need a harvard study to know that that's how that works. <laughs> but also that would suck so it's like super liquidy at first and then you're trying yeah. to get out you're probably like swimming it on purpose at first yeah, not thinking could... it's about to harden on you yeah, yeah. You and then just not a good way People to go tearing your arm off God, you know i cannot imagine just how horrible the streets were like oh yeah i'm surprised they didn't just leave boston like we never heard from boston <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Like, that's I just, bad. like i don't even know like, it's like chernobyl right like yeah we've yeah, only yeah. visited in 100 years yeah. and see what happens see, it, it still out. smells the- <laughs> just a cockroach empire there <laughs> <laughs> they have a king <laughs> like it breeds a super cockroach. Yeah. <laughs> it's just four cockroaches standing on each other's shoulders. 
area today, the United States Industrial Alcohol did not rebuild the tank. It is now the site of a city-owned recreational complex officially named Langone Park, featuring a little league baseball field, a playground, and bocce courts. Immediately, you know what I'd like if it was a minor league baseball team because they always have like pun names, and you know that they would have a molasses name. The like moles asses. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be very tasteless. <laughs> There's a small plaque at this entrance to Poopaloopoo Park, placed by the Bostonian Society, commemorating the disaster. The accident has since become a staple of local culture, not only for the damage the flood flood brought, but also for the sweet smell that filled the North End for decades after the disaster. According to journalist Edward Park, the smell of molasses remained for decades a distinctive, unmistakable atmosphere of Boston. Now it smells like... Uh, yeah, I was going to say, this probably... Cigarette yeah. Smoke. <laughs> yeah, that's where I was going. <laughs> On January 15th, 2019, the 100th anniversary of the event, a ceremony was held in remembrance. Ground penetrating radar was used to identify the exact location of the tank from 1919. The concrete slab base for the tank remains in place approximately 20 inches below the surface of the baseball diamond at Langone Park. Attendees of the ceremony stood in a circle, marking the edge of the tank. The 21 names of those who died as a result of the flood were read aloud. Many laws... And regulations governing construction were changed as a direct result of the disaster, including requirements for oversight by a licensed architect and civil engineer. I thought uh, one thing was interesting was the amphibious tourist vehicle Boston Duck Tours named one of their ducks, also in bad taste, Molly Molasses in remembrance of the event. Also, those duck boats are very dangerous. Those hybrid well, boats. That, yeah. The one in Missouri Wait, no. killed like 17 people. Yeah, I, yeah, I feel like I've heard of that. Did it sink or did it get It was like a really bad storm. It was sink. Okay. And they were in the water. It was really sad. And then there was another disaster in like the 90s killed like 30, 13 people or something. How many people can get in a duck boat? Uh, well, <laughs> they have they yeah. have like the, you know how soft top Jeeps have those like door, those windows that are like not oh, like hard yeah. yeah they have like those kind of things so if it's like a bad weather you roll them up but then if it capsides you're like completely screwed so while i was reading this um the hosts of this podcast live in honolulu well two of us do one of us lives in kailua we all live in the same island, we all live in the same island. <laughs> and i was reading this and it said click on the honolulu molasses disaster and i was oh. like what we had one and this for another time but in september of 2013 14 000 tons of molasses what? due to a faulty pop pipeline killed more than 26,000 fish in the Hawaii the Honolulu Harbor right where we live yeah holy crap what? yeah in the Hawaii so gross maybe no i think it's never mind <laughs> and the Hawaii Department of Transportation ordered documentation of pipeline inspections following that so at least these tragedies bring new regulations and safety We're always standards. pro more regulations <laughs> here. <laughs> 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 we just lost our 39 listeners. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we were so careful last time to not be too pro-global warming. And true, then, true. Yeah, yeah. And now we're very pro-regulation. <laughs> yeah, we gotta be careful. We don't want to regulate uh, small be... businesses more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, kinda... <laughs> we're not gonna win on this one either way. <laughs> Let's kill more kids. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's very interesting because when you look at disasters like this, there's often, like, a lot of signs and a lot of rules already in place yeah. that are being ignored and it's like a culmination of things that like happen over the years i think of the condo disaster in yeah. Miami oh, yeah. Yeah. recently how 
yeah, there was multiple warning signs and they had meetings and stuff. And um, I think uh, at work, how many times we just like hand, hand wave stuff? Yeah, yeah, a lot. I mean, Kayla I knows did shoot hand. myself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> first first hand, hand, no pun intended. How much we hand wave those safety requirements? Yeah, but it it takes like true. multiple things over a long period right. of time to get to that point. You know, it doesn't just pop out of nowhere. It wasn't a well built container that just tipped over. I mean, I can't imagine day. what it must be like too for like like civil engineers and stuff. Like, I don't I don't know anybody, but like you know, they graduate college or grad school or whatever right. and then they go and they're probably the ones doing these inspections too like they probably don't know when people are like well this is fine i know it technically says you can't do this but we're gonna yeah. do this they're probably like i don't know what to do yeah it's a good crazy. point it's a really weird position to be in and they had the treasurer of that company that was the yeah yeah i can definitely mm. see where that was a regulations in general are just like a difficult thing to enforce right because you don't want to like stifle innovation or business or anything like that right exactly. um especially in america we value like independence and a little bit of risk taking and stuff um but on the other hand you could have an entire well, city covered this is also an interesting one because you could be like who would even be regulating this because like there's the explosive obviously the hazard really there was literally just a mechanical hazard it yeah exploded and killed drowned a bunch of people or got a bunch of people stuck but you know there's an explosive hazard there it's a food so there's also regulated by a different agency because like that's the thing about the paint that bothered me is the the besides that they're painting over the tank is the paint not getting in and that's like probably paint with lead this was 1919 that's true is the paint not getting in the molasses yeah i think there's like because they yeah there's probably several couple issues i mean i think most of those agencies didn't exist in the 19 in 1919 but i think if you're drowning in molasses the lead paint is the least of your concerns yes but i'm saying they weren't planning on it to explode but they would still get paint in your molasses that's true especially the kids at the cups yeah yeah probably drinking so much lead molasses yeah. I'm curious. I would like to think, like, the optimistic thing as a society, we have a lot less of these disasters. Um, but the fact that we had a similar one in 2013 Yeah, it's hard to make me think that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, a lie. Yeah, yeah. 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 But uh, I would like to think that they're probably more rare, especially in developed countries. Uh, the other one that comes to mind is, like, the the Beirut explosion. Yeah. That fire, mm, yeah. Was it a fireworks depot or something? That's got to be a huge fireworks depot to blow up like that. And there was a fertilizer yeah. plant. Oh, type fertilizer. Okay. Okay. That, that makes, makes a lot sense. more sense. Yeah. But still, yeah. I mean, this kind of things happens all the time. I mean, like, there, there used to be a TV show, actually, about it. It was, like, called, like, World's... Or, like, I don't think it was just in the U.S. It was, like, Best Explosion or Greatest Explosion. There's literally, like, mm. an hour-long TV show, and they had, like, cover, like, two or three... Yeah, it was super interesting. interesting. We yeah. watched a bunch of episodes. I'll send you guys some links. Great. <laughs> well, thank you for coming out to our podcast. We're going to get back to work. As always, please donate to Wikipedia. We love Wikipedia. Yeah, I use it all do. the time. Do. Yeah. They have no ads, so they... most of my day. Yeah, they need our yeah. donations. And maybe in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have... Ben and uh, or Anisha read an article, and oh. we're gonna maybe have Keneally on. Ooh. I'm very excited. Yeah, very she, she has some good little one-liners. I think. Yeah. yeah.